My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation, and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is my dear friend and colleague, Rosie Greenberg. Rosie is a leadership development artist. And I use the word artist in at least two ways. One, she's a master of the art of bringing people together to learn and grow. That's an art that you have to experience to understand. Uh, but when you experience, you know, wow, this is, this is life-changing. And I've had the good fortune of being in workshops facilitated by Rosie. I've had the good fortune of, of collaborating and co-facilitating with Rosie. And I really mean it when I say she's a master of her craft. And she's also a visual artist who has this wonderfully distinctive style as an illustrator. And she brings that art to life in so many ways. Uh, she has some awesome gear that you can get on her uh, homepage, which we'll link in the show notes. She also does something called graphic facilitation, which is which maybe you've seen online in some cases or seen in person at a workshop where she can illustrate the concepts and ideas that are emerging as they emerge and capture them visually in an, an incredibly powerful way. And most recently, she released a book called Everyone Has a Sam, which is an illustrated book about meeting your inner, inner critic and rewriting the rules of how you relate to yourself and how you relate to inner talk that you might carry with you about uh, how worthy you are or not, or whether or not anyone loves you, or whether you've screwed up, or whether you should have done something differently. And Rosie's illustration, combined with the insights that she brings from her practice as a facilitator and coach and teacher, is wonderfully uh, funny and vulnerable, while also quite useful. And in our conversation today, we play in that space, uh, a humorous space, a vulnerable space, and service of really helping each other understand what it is to relate to those voices in us that use shame or self-criticism to attempt to motivate, and what it might mean to let let go of that. So the book is this just wonderful blend of kind of sort of Brene Brown meets Shel Silverstein, and I really recommend it, and we'll link to a, a copy in the show notes and uh, the conversation today is for any of you, any of you out there who are getting in touch with the fact that the last thing you need in the midst of this really complex, scary, volatile time is some voice inside your head shaming you for not being perfect. It's the last thing you need. So touch into that in our conversation today. Let's get settled in. 
<sighs> and hear what Rosie has for us. Rosie Greenberg. You right. did it. The Wonder Dome. You're here. Oh, long time coming. <laughs> Have you been avoiding me? Kind of. I've been avoiding putting my own voice out there. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you just said something right before we pressed record that was so fucking beautiful that I want to say it again because I like really want to make sure that when you and I listen back to it, we hear mm. this insight. And the insight is I was sort of playing with the idea that whoever hears this, whether they hear it a month from now or 10 years from now, in a way, anyone who listens to this is kind of joining us in a way. And you said, yeah, and that includes our future selves, Andy. That uh, whenever we listen to this again, whether that's a month from now or 10 years to now, that there's no right thing for us to say other than like whatever we say is who we are now. And, and that maybe our future selves will hear that and feel that and benefit from, from that in some way. So, yeah, just thank you for starting with that. Yeah, just that it's a beautiful reminder that exactly where we are right now is a beautiful thing. And I think there was definitely a part of me that was afraid about recording a podcast. And there's such a kind of firmness to that um, mm -hmm. of saying, you know, whenever we put ourselves out there, whether it's a podcast or an Instagram post or even a speech or even just a conversation, there's like kind of putting a stake in the sand of here's where I am now. And knowing that we grow and change and um, look back on our past selves and laugh at things that, you know, we did yeah. in our twenties. Um, yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's something really, um, that can be scary about that, but there's also mm -hmm. something that can be really sacred about that of saying, mm -hmm. of honoring the truth of this moment and the um, knowledge that the next moment we're going to be different humans who know different things and have different truths that subsume and include this truth, but go mm -hmm. beyond it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, thank you. That really puts me, it puts me in touch with a lot. I want to honor the part of you that's like, like you want to record something? <laughs> I don't know about that. And to that, for you to say yes anyways, to go, all right. Actually, the recording, although it feels permanent, it feels like it's like trapping me and Amber is actually just a stake in the sand. Easy or a footprint, enough. maybe. A footprint. Not a stake even. Yeah. A footprint, because all the footprints that we have are like, I was here once, and then we look back, and there's just this beautiful line of yeah. footprints. yeah. Love that. And it also puts me in touch with like my children and also like me as a child. Uh, it's just so tender and fragile and um, beautiful and unfolding. It's like hard to track the moment where my three-year-old son suddenly felt to me like a little, little guy as opposed to kind of a, a little toddler or an infant, but it just suddenly, there's a sort of suddenness to it. There's a kind of a quality of arrival to like, oh, this is who you are now. But also the 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 fleetingness of it. Oh, but you were just, how did that, wait, where? Oh. And uh, it's quite beautiful. And to give ourselves that kind of grace as adults, that although our bodies and our, kind of neurobiology might not be 
changing quite so dramatically that nevertheless it's fluid and uh that who you were 10 years ago clearly although there's some sense of consistency also there's so much fluidity and to make space for that yeah i think of myself a couple years ago i was in a really dark place and just that version of me that was really struggling and didn't (laughs) there were days when I thought the only good thing about me was that I had good handwriting, (laughs) which I do, but (laughs) there's so many other amazing things. So funny. I I would say the same thing about Rosie. I'm like, ah, (laughs) you got good handwriting. (laughs) Kidding. I kid. But that was real for for that version of me a couple years Mm -hmm. ago. And just um, how beautiful it is, you know, doing, getting to do workshops or getting to share now and like, even sharing about her um, mm-hmm. feels like I, I get to like bring people uh, surrounding her with love and in myself and in others. And just like how, if she knew where I am now, where we are now, um, it was just unfathomable a couple years ago and how, how beautiful that is to like honor and kind of keep her in my, uh, in my world and also uh, to know all of the like there's so many future selves of me that will look back on these moments of my life with love and compassion and care as well mm. So, mm. Yeah. you said like kind of I don't know exactly how you said but this kind of way in which you're you're keeping her with you or you're not like to that you're the potential to surround that Rosie who is mm-hmm. in such a dark place that the only positive thing she could find to say about herself was her handwriting, which was good fucking handwriting. But nevertheless, like you can see her and love her and surround her. Maybe could you just say a bit more what that looks like or feels like in practice? Like how, how do you sit with her or invite her into your workshops or, you know, what, what's happening there when you, when you bring her to mind and heart? It's actually quite literal. Um, I, so I, Part of what brought me out of that moment was starting to write and draw a book about my inner critic and inner experience, which just came, I was sitting uh, on a couch at my brother's house and just start, I was journaling and I just wrote in my journal, I drew a picture of me with this inner critic part of me. And I wrote, good morning, this is me. And this is Sam. And then I go, this is a terrible drawing, Rosie. And I was like, Oh, Sam says, this is a bad drawing of me. Sam is my inner critic. Mm. And it was just this moment. I just started laughing and drawing my way through this book, but part of it, um, part of it is this, this, this me that is just in this really, really dark place. Sam kind of takes over and makes Rosie really, really, really small. And, um, and there's this kind of depression series of, of Rosie getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And there's this one drawing of um, me sitting on my bed with my journal and a pen and, just feeling so alone and like Sam is all around, um, mm. Mm. all around the, the, the drawing of me. And so as I, I now I use that book and I use that experience of drawing um, in workshops where I, I share it uh, with the groups that I'm in. And so it's literally bringing her into the room and, um, and feeling, feeling, those feelings as I'm talking about it. Mm-hmm. 
and feeling the care and grace that I give to talking about it now as care and grace for her and, and knowing that the people that I'm talking to folks have come up and said, Oh, I was there, you know, or how, how did you, that's where I am. How did you draw that? And just, and even the, the feeling in the room after I finished sharing. So there's both a sense of like, people know that space, but also the compassion and care that everyone gives to that space. Mm. Um, Mm. As I'm presencing, it just feels so precious um, and healing for, for that girl who I'm now picturing in my black and white drawing um yeah and actually later I revisited the drawing of me sitting in that bed and and the way that I drew Sam kind of gripping her it's it's, it looks like a a womb and a birth canal in a Uh in a beautiful way Mm. so yeah Mm. there's something in here for me around um don't have the words for yet give me a minute like that last image you just shared there's a way in which i'll speak for myself there's a way in which when i hear a voice in my head that's really hard on me and harsh on me like you idiot like how could you do how could you do something how could you it hurts and there's another part of me that wants to be like fuck off like get out of here uh, don't talk to me like that. Like, I, that's not helpful. So there's like the like first, the, there's like the thing I did. Then there's the, like that criticism of the thing I did. And then there's the like anger at, at me being self-critical. So it's a little like cycle I've noticed in myself sometimes. And um, the first arrow, the second arrow, the third arrow. And then yeah. sometimes there's like the fourth arrow of like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. Like, what the fuck's going on up there? Like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. And it's just also um all of it has this quality of like get away. Mm-hmm. It's wrong, dumb, back off, stop it. Uh kind of a sort of rep- a repulsion away from. Um and like what I hear you as I just I haven't seen the drawings you're describing but I'm getting some kind of version of them in my head and and what I hear you describing is like kind of a willingness eventually, although it might not have felt like it then, to see that this depression, this kind of inner voice that's going like, you know, nothing's good about you except your handwriting is in some way trying to hold you or is in some way trying to protect you or do something as best as it knows. Like Sam is trying as best as Sam knows how to do something for you. And it not, it's not quite working the way you'd like to, but but somehow you were able to, to develop some compassion for Sam. And now you can kind of hold Sam and see that in a way Sam helps helps you kind of rebirth that that's that you're now like somewhere else new. And the drawing showed that this kind of oh, birth canal quality. So yeah, just say more about what's coming up for you as I as I present. Well, I so as you say, like Sam was protecting me. So people you know, I've heard that a lot, like, yeah, the inner critic is protecting you. And there was that part of me that was like, that's bullshit. This thing doesn't like me. This thing hates me. Look what it's doing to me. And that was the part that for me was kind of just wanting it to go away. That was totally polarized with, with that critical part to use a technical term. But, um, and so I think there's a lot of times where we start there and say, oh, it loves you. You should find the love. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm really angry at it. (laughs) 
fuck that jerk. Yeah, what? No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, this dude's an asshole in my head. Sure, he wants to protect me and love me, but like, no. There's no <laughs> way I can feel that. I could feel it. In- I knew it intellectually. I was like, you know, I've read Dick Schwartz. I've taken the IFS level one, like all of that. But but to actually feel it was a completely other thing. And so what it started with was being present with the part that was annoyed with the critic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so getting present to that, like, first of all, this you know, this is really hard. This sucks being present with that part, then being present with the critic part, being present with all of those different arrows and like mm-hmm. holding all of that. Mm-hmm. And in some ways the illustrations helped me do that. I think because the part that was angry at the critic, it was angry at Sam, which I haven't named yet, which is interesting, but that part was like, I'm going to draw this out. And then as Sam was saying, you know, this is a stupid drawing, like that gave more fodder to mm. <laughs> the part mm. that was drawing it out. So there was this kind of building of power in honoring how annoying Sam was and at the exact same time honoring Sam's voice. Mm. And then ultimately like the drawings took me to a place of Sam started kind of, I, I was like, can't you just retire? I just started writing him a letter. Like, what would it take to retire? And he was like, I can't retire because everything would fall apart. And then I got to the fear. And mm. then I got to the mm. sense of like, oh, he's he's protecting me. He and he said, he said, you're precious to me and precious things need a lot of protection. And I drew this mm. picture of like a diamond in a bank vault. Mm. And that was when I really felt it, that it was like, oh, the keeping people out keeping like the appearances keeping everything looking right is because there's this like deep preciousness um and that was when i really felt it as opposed to just kind of was told it and so yeah i think the Mm. more we have that felt experience of all of those different realities of just like Mm -hmm. if we're angry with the critic let's just be angry for a minute Mm -hmm. There's, I guess I'm saying there's wisdom in all of those different parts. And sometimes we think we have to get to the wisdom faster than. <laughs> there's another voice that goes like, all right, come on, you're, you're a professional here, Rosie. Like, just get to the, get to the healing, please, as quickly as possible. You know how to do this. Exactly. And I have that voice big time in me. And when I'm like, not feeling healed or whole, he's like, Andy, you're better than this. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. Hurry up. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I had, there's another comic that I drew that's like, I want an epiphany now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then this other part being like, be where you are. <laughs> oh my God. So, but it's like yeah. both of those things. Cause sometimes we make fun of that part. That's like, I want an epiphany. It's like, of course we want an epiphany. Yeah feels so good it feels so uplifting it's like yeah yeah mm. and like the 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 yearning for that the longing for that is part of our life's purpose and path and so there's nothing like part of that part that really hates the critic is what got me to draw draw it and got me to understand it and all of that so so there's real wisdom in what it's standing for in me which is hey you're really hurting yourself and there's more than this so yeah 
Yeah, like I'm starting to get this hit. There's almost like a quality of um I don't want to say this like this just sort of this like quality of like uh, an orientation towards yourself as someone to follow and discover to kind of go like mm. okay there's this I'm here I'm noticing this in there and I'm noticing this response I'm noticing the criticism and the anger at the criticism uh I'm just gonna I'm just gonna follow those I'm just gonna listen to them like the work is not anything other than kind of like all right this this is here tell me more okay got it and now this is here tell me and this kind of journey of just seeing our own inner experience as a trail to follow or as a uh as like not quite a it's not quite a map maybe but just as some some like this is the compass or this is I don't know, like uh, I'm struggling with metaphors here, but there's something about this like accepting of whatever's in there and then following it where it leads you. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about stars lately and kind of looking up at the night sky and seeing like, oh, there's a star. Oh, there's another star. You know, when they first start coming out. Yeah, that's a nice moment. And then you see another one and another one. And it's not like you're not trying to do anything. They're just there. Um mm. And you're mm. just kind of appreciating them. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of times where I don't relate to my inner system like that. And I do find that what is healing in those moments is to recognize that I'm not relating to my inner system like that and to say, oh, I'm feeling disconnected right now. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas Hubel says, like, if you're numb, be consciously numb. Just mm. say, oh, like mm. numb's a feeling. Just say, oh, look, mm. I'm numb right now. Mm. And that if that's the truth, just be with being mm. with that. And I find also, you know, with the critic pieces or those parts of me that I'm ashamed of just saying, oh, look, here's a part of me and here's some shame. Um, When I can do that, that's what gets me out of it rather than trying to push out of it or get rid of it or Mm. anything else. So you've been making a choice lately and it seems like you're making this choice more and more you've said you're here we've pressed record this is one example of this choice uh to to lean into this journey that you went on personally and and that you've been studying professionally and and to invite people into it like i haven't been to one of your workshops yet but i've been i've seen them out there you you're working on a book like and we started with the reminder that like whatever we plant, whatever footprint goes in the sand now might not be where, where we are 10 years from now. But but paradoxically, you're also saying like, I'm going to put my feet in this sand. I'm going to stand here now. And I just wonder like, yeah, how is that for you? What's important to you about that? What's What new voices come in that are scared about that or excited about that? Like how how does this choice you've made to to lean into this what is it doing for you or what's happening for you i'm not entirely sure um there's a part that wants to have a really good answer to that yeah (laughs) no i think i think there's like i mean maybe maybe that's just it is what i'm feeling right now like i don't know Mm. um Mm. and being trying 
not trying, but like finding more and more the ability to say, I don't know, um, or say like, here's what I know up till now. Mm. Um, mm. And I find huge discomfort in not knowing and in sitting and looking at what parts of my life are like not set yet or I'm 36. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to be by 40 or 45 or 60 or 72. (laughs) Like, I don't know. And I want to know, I want to like, there's part of me that would definitely wants to have that path laid out Mm. already. Um, Mm. That would be so boring. So yeah, I think it's about sitting with that discomfort, letting myself not know. Um, And Yeah, I said as we were coming on, like there's something about being with more reality than we can be. Um, And that being part of what really draws me is seeing more of reality than I could before. Um, Sharing more of my reality, being seen in that and uh, doing that for each other. So. I don't know. I think I keep, I come back to that as kind of purpose. And so then in some ways, like even the not knowing moments, I'm able to see them more now than I was before as part of that reality of like, mm-hmm. Oh, like my, uh, my mom said, I was, I was in that, you know, deep depressive moment one day I give her a call and she says, Oh, sweetie, this is the sad part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it was just so sweet. It was like, yeah, this is this too is a part of life. And it wasn't like sometimes she says this too shall pass, which I'm just like, yeah, but I'm here now. Yeah. Um, Can you hurry it up, please, mom? Help me out right. here. Right. But it's just like, sweetie, this is the sad part. Mm. And I really took that in as like, oh, mm. so this is the not knowing part. Here we are. Um at the risk of being the guy who always brings things back to parenting. I feel like a lot of parents do that. And sometimes there's a part of me that's like, don't do that. But yep, I'm not listening to that part. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, push that part away. Well, go push away. That part. I'm just kidding. What do you know? <laughs> I just really, I, I think there's some, like what it's putting me in touch with again is, um, gosh, just so much. Like I'm constantly faced with a question of, what I don't know or how to talk about what I do know in a way that's somehow safe or accessible to my children. You know, like our neighbor's dog died Mm -hmm. and sad. And then like, there just never quite seemed to be the moment to tell our daughter in particular, our oldest daughter, who is a bit more like attentive, like, yeah, the dog died. So, and then there would be these moments where, where she would ask the, like, where's, where's Layla? Where's the dog? And everyone would like, all the adults would be like, I'm like making, you know, like, like we're for sure a bit frozen, like so awkward. It's like, and I would, and so you're just like putting me in touch with like, shit, like, I don't actually know how to have this conversation yet. But it was then in the not knowing for me that like started to become clear of like, well, I can't keep like ignoring this direct question that my daughter has about life, like this life that's now not no longer appearing in her awareness that she used to see every day. So I've got to find it. We've got to find a way. I just felt like, and not in a like burdensome, like, like, Oh, this is so heavy, but I'm just like, Oh, 
okay, she's not going to be able to figure this out. So I've got to find a way to help her know what she doesn't know yet, which is that like we die. Oh, all right. And that was like, even as I talk about it, we ended up doing um, a little ceremony. Like I just said, the one morning I said, we just got to tell her. And I told her and I said, this weekend, we're going to do a little ceremony. And the neighbors mm-hmm. came and it was very short and sweet. And, you know, her, their, the kid's attention couldn't stay too long on it. But it just was like a real moment where uh, where we got to say goodbye to the neighbor's dog. And also, like, it became clear that the neighbors, like, hadn't done that yet that and no one had said like hey we should it was just like okay that's the thing that happens which is amazing how kids bring us into those moments that we actually really need yeah yeah so it's this this very like your your sort of pull towards what's here now inclusive of what don't we know and and what can we like what how can we learn from what we don't know Cause there's something in the, like, there's something in the not knowing that isn't that's saying, here's a path you could follow that you didn't even know was here yet. Yeah. And I think parenting, it seems like does that all day, every day. Just whatever, go figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> but that too, that too yeah, is like sitting yeah. with that as a part yeah. of like what we do is just like some days we get to our limit. Some days like the not knowing I'm talking about it in this like intellectual way. And in some ways I'm talking about the not knowing with the like left brain parts of me that know about how to not know, you know, (laughs) you know, so, so it's, there's a way of presencing it. That's like talking about not knowing as a certainty. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think what I'm hearing you presencing is that there are these real moments of like visceral unsureness, uncertainty. I don't know that come to us and and we don't fucking know what to, like there are no answers there's no way forward there's no like and that's true about pain and that's true about like there's just so much that um can be really hard to hold and and in saying oh yeah it's just about not knowing and holding all the more reality like there's the reality of that sounds really nice and it can go to a bypassing place of like, mm-hmm. yeah, just hold it mm-hmm. out. It's like, no, what I, we can't even articulate what that is of that. Like, I just don't know how to do this moment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is really fucking hard. Yeah. Mm. Really hard. And so I guess I'm imagining like our future selves or people who are listening or in that moment, just like, yeah. It's really hard. This is the sad this part. Is the hard part. This it's is the hard sad. part. Wow. Your mom sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. And for those moments, the piece of art that I made is just like, it's a, just says it's like, just says, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> like a million times. I made hoodies out of it because it's just like, sometimes that's the only word we got. Like, I love mm. the word fuck because it's just, it's like the epitome of, emotion and it's like we're crossed that line where Mm -hmm. it hurts so much that i have no words or it feels so good that i have no words Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. i'm so lost that i have no words or i'm Mm -hmm. so sad like it's the word we go to when we lose everything else and it's just raw emotion it's the closest word we get i think to raw emotion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so here's to the f word Mm -hmm. 
Fuck yeah. <laughs> there would be no other appropriate words for that. So I mean, you. you're right. Like language fails, and it's wonderful to have a word that that is so versatile. <laughs> but even pre that, like, there's just screaming. Like, I, you're now getting me in touch in a period that I that preceded, like, this period in my life where I'm putting footprints in the sand, or you know, this these these conversations are a kind of footprint in the sand and. But, you know, I was in a profession that that like I went to school for and and I was in a like I was making OK money and and it just sucked. And I didn't really like know why it sucked. It was just it just. And so there's a period we lived near this this conservation land and it was wintertime. And so no one was outside. And but I would go outside for hours walking in the like icy, snowy, cold and like just scream. Just, ah, like. Cause I just, that was the, that was the even pre, it was like, that was the big fuck. Like, ah, and it was just a pure raw, like I, this sucks and I don't, and I'm afraid if I change, I can't, you know, like I need the stability. I, da, 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 da. I just did the winter school, but blah, blah, blah. like all of these like voices in me going, no, 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 it's not safe. And then this response of just like, but this fucking sucks. And I just like needed to do that for, I don't know quite how long I would say it was like a month or two, where as often as possible, I'd go in the woods and sometimes I'd be totally quiet and other times I'd. But finally, after doing that for a while, it started to become clear, even to the voices in me that were afraid of like, okay, all right. We don't know what's next, but like, we got to take, we got to take some action. Because mm-hmm. I can see you're hurting. So, okay. Okay, we'll figure something out. Yeah. And it's like, and that was me in my car. So for anybody who was driving around Cambridge a few years ago, wondering why this lady was screaming, uh, it was this. But I hope you scream too in your car because, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's exactly that. But it's it's like, in some ways, we think of taking action as what happens after that. Um but I think the screaming is an action. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really important action. Maybe the most important action, actually. Yeah. It's it's like to just... just honor that mm. primal scream that is trying to come out. And um, I love that it was winter, too. And, like, thinking about Parker Palmer and the way he talks about winters and those mm. moments of, like, hibernation within us, um, mm. which harkens back in some ways to that drawing that, um, that yeah. I was talking about. But they're just like both honoring that um, the visceral sense of something needs to change, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the only way that we know how, which can be screaming or kicking or crying or even shutting down and just being like, I'm really shut down. There's real wisdom there. What's your sense? So there, so there's sort of a, in my own experience, there are lots and lots of moments where I have a feeling and it passes and then it feels like it's gone and then it comes back again later and it catches me by surprise. And it's the same, like that, that there are things that, in our lives that are moving 
And for whatever reason, every so often they move up and into awareness and produce, you know, anxiety, we might call it anxiety or fear or doubt or, or criticism or whatever. But then like, there's some, something happens. I don't even, I haven't paid close enough attention to what it is, but some, I do something to like, it goes away. It seems like it's gone away. I'm putting that in air quotes, but then suddenly it there again, it's familiar. So there's some kind of like pattern there of kind of like ignore, push down, push away. And then there it is. And then like, except some point it can push it away again. And that, you know, like I want to, that feels sometimes like a pretty healthy coping mechanism. Like there have been nights when I've laid awake with some pretty intense anxiety and I'm like, I can't, I can't keep like my body. I'm freaking out. Like I need to just like mitigate this. So go away, please. And I like, and I find a way to make it go away. I read or, you know, look at whatever, you know, social media or get up and have to have something to drink or whatever it is. But I'm just like, what's your sense of, of that part of our, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. What's your sense of like how that movement happens and, and like how maybe we might show up to it more fully in some of the ways that you do your work? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, for me, it's crying. I especially notice that when I am having an emotion, want to cry, there is a part of me that has learned to pull back my tears. So Mm. I won't quite be able to cry. It's like my face is almost there, but but not quite. And I get really annoyed at those times. I'm like, I don't want to cry. (laughs) Like, it's really (laughs) annoying. But then it's also equally annoying when it doesn't kick in, like when you're lying awake in bed and you're like, hello, could my default, like, clamping down on emotions please kick in now because yes, I'm, really you, like, I'm really feeling it right now yeah so like I really I get that and I don't know I mean what what first comes to mind is as you were you were saying this motion between you know the kind of clamping down versus feeling and the kind of welling up sometimes and not other times like maybe it's getting you're moving your arms in like a almost a figure eight one Mm. after the other Mm. and I was kind of imagining that like maybe it's getting comfortable with the motion rather than with any point on that curve Mm. 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 yeah I'm feeling I'm feeling some energy around that he's rocking too (laughs) (laughs) like yeah as if you can see me kind of like standing here you know like I have a very recent example um Oh, it's a parenting example again. You're welcome, everyone. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, climate change, it's a thing. I don't know if anyone's paying attention, but like it's a thing. And uh, uh, little kids growing up in into bigger kids, into adults in a time of climate breakdown and social breakdown is a thing that produces some really intense anxiety in, in me sometimes. And, uh, and as I like get in touch with this, sort of this happening pretty recently of me, like waking up in the middle of the night. And then there suddenly were all of these pretty horrific images, um, that I won't like describe in detail, but you know, if you just imagine someone you love and something terrible happening to someone you love in the context of some force that's outside of your control, you know, that kind of fear, that kind of existential, like I'm responsible for this. And I can't do anything about it. Fear. Uh, like the, 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 like part of the wave then that comes in is like, 
this fear is not useful. We need to get it away as quickly as possible. And and then I'll try, like, I, I remember this thing. I tried this, like, I sat up in bed. I was like, I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to hold it. Fuck, I can't hold it. I need to destroy. Like, I, like, I just need to destroy. And I did. Weirdly, the thing that ended up mit- mitigating my anxiety was I read articles by climate activists. And there was, yes. I, there was something about, like, it was like I was doing something for the issue, even though I wasn't really. It was like, at least I could listen to someone who thought a lot about this stuff and hear their and and somehow like scrolling through those for a couple hours on Substack was like I was able to then I didn't go back to sleep but then I like felt better and then it just then I got up and got through the day so there's this kind of like all right this isn't good deal with it sit with it uh that's not working distract from it I gotta like some need to find a place of control and safety and all there and uh and maybe just like let okay, all right, that's okay. I'm gonna get yeah, really like, scared, and then I'm gonna distract myself and find okay, and then I'm gonna get up and go make breakfast. <laughs> it sounds like you found exactly the thing that your system needed right there. Mm, mm. Of you know, of all the things on the internet that you could have come to, something drew you to those articles that actually then were the space of of calm, and I think. I don't know there's there's like one mindset of no you should sit with it the whole time and you know you have to work through it and you shouldn't go distract yourself and then there's another like actually it sounds like you are i feel like our systems know mm-hmm. what mm. they need in, mm. in a lot of ways and mm. they know what mm. they can handle and then there's i don't know there's there's like there's both like being exactly where we are and changing at the same time yeah Yes, that feels really validating, actually. I think I've been looking back on that moment and being like, I should have done something. This is back to the like, Andy, you're a professional. You're supposed to know how to do this, what it is like. And it's actually like, no, just at three in the morning. Yeah, that's a shitty time to be awake and anxious. And so just just uh, do what. Okay, that's happening now. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. All right. And then at some point, the sun's going to come up and I'll get out of bed and keep going yeah sometimes we discount i think the wisdom of our parts that were like oh that's a part that like yeah it wanted to protect me back then but it's like old and you know it's it's running on a 30 year old computer whatever um with 30 year old data and so i shouldn't listen to it but it's like not it's coming up for a reason it still has wisdom today Mm -hmm. it's just it's Mm -hmm. just um you know, maybe, maybe it often it is 30 year old wisdom and we don't need it now, but sometimes we do need it. And so there's that like discernment of when do I listen? Like what often Sam has really useful things to say. Like, he's like, Oh, you're late. You're always late. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I am late. You should have gone left back. There. I should have gone left. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're like, you know, they're like these kind of risk manager parts of us. Mm. And, mm. uh, I actually, I named him Sam well before I um, read this article, but I read something by Dan, Dan Siegel that was um, saying we have this part that scans, alert, and motivates us to do mm. things, S-A-M. It's like this risk oh. management system. I was like, what? Um, so those are fun moments. But it's like all of those things are kind of useful in certain ways, I feel like. Yeah. So. Anyways, I, there's there's like that element of shame of like, I should have done something different. It's like, oh, you didn't. So. Right. 
Yeah, thank you. I I mean, I wasn't fully in touch with it, but some part of me was feeling a bit of shame about how I, like I should have done something different. But actually, yeah, sometimes we just cope how we know how to cope. And that's actually exactly what we need to get through through the through the sad part or the hard part or the scary part. Yeah, I I was in a course last week and I was feeling like I just really wanted to be seen by the teacher. I really wanted her to think I was doing a great job Aww. and like yeah. tell me I was special and good at, we were doing hands-on energy healing. And I was like, it was my first time doing it. I just wanted to be so good at it. And then I was feeling so ashamed of that. Yeah. 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 I was feeling so embarrassed of like, gosh, why do I feel this way? And I was like, okay, you know what I'm going to do with this embarrassment? I'm going to go tell the teacher about it. <laughs> I was like, this will a like, feed the part of me that's like see look I'm so smart and then b be like totally disarming because I'm ashamed of it like the worst thing she could the worst thing that could happen is she'd know she'd know about it so let me just tell her Mm. um so I told her she was like that's an interesting strategy (laughs) (laughs) but then she goes you know the fact that you want that there's probably something there that is really deep about your longing and what you're trying to do and create in the world and what who you are and mm. so mm. there's something really beautiful about that and mm. you know all my life I've wanted to be seen by teachers wanted to be special straight A, like all of that kind of way overachiever perfectionist thing and had always had a, some shame around it and she just like lifted that right up by being like oh yeah that probably says something beautiful about you mm. And, mm. Mm. and I really I really like it felt really healing Mm. yeah to just it sounds like she just said okay you're longing to be seen that longing is could serve you in some way that longing is part of what you're trying to bring into the world yeah if you like it so if you could and maybe this is part of the journey you're on uh i have a sense maybe like or maybe I'll also try and speak for myself because I definitely have a version of me. I, I came up with this with my coach once and I've shared this with a few people that like I had that, that I've always been kind of like a Robin searching for a Batman, you know, like, you know, and it, for, for folks who don't know comic book nerddom, like Robin is like, you know, this sort of very talented acrobatic young boy who just like Batman loses his parents. So they have this shared trauma and, Batman like saves Robin and they, and then like Robin apprentices to Batman, you know, and there's something about coming up as a kid, as an only child, like the longing in me was like, please, can someone just see how special I am and save me and pull me into that Mm -hmm. world. And so that pattern has played itself out in my own version with like, I'm I'm always like, who's the, like, who's the elder Batman in a space that I can both go and, the part of me that wants to grow and learn, like I want to learn from the best, but also like, I want the, I want the best to tell me that I'm really good. I'm the best one in the room that, Oh, I'm so glad you showed up. Here's my Robin. Finally, I've been waiting for my apprentice kind of energy. And um, it's still super present. And I kind of have learned working on like just loving that longing. And what you just said is helping me with that. But also some work I did with my coach was like, well, Robin grows up at some point. And there's actually, a, in the comic books, a story of this. He becomes Nightwing. And he mm. becomes uh, his own 
he is, you know, he wouldn't have existed without Batman and he is, is doing what Batman does in the gen most general sense of trying to be a force for good in the city, but he does it totally in his own unique, uh, like grown up way, you know, that, that wouldn't have been possible if not for that, the apprenticeship, but also at some point to like let go and to step in and to be the the teacher, I'm putting these in air quotes, the master, the expert, the, you know, the person who is willing to do it the way they know how to do it and put their life on the line for it. And, um, and I have, I, so I share all of that because I have a sense that in a way you're like walking into that. I'm, I, Rosie, am stepping into a place in my life where I'm willing more and more to publicly put uh, something on the line in service of, of my own growth, but also other people's growth. And maybe I have a follow-up question to that, but I'm just curious how that's landing with you as I share, as I share it with you. Yeah. It feels very tender. Um, yeah, it feels really true. Uh, there's something about, um, I've been, I'm the oldest of five. And oh, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, the oldest daughter of a single mom who chose to be a single mom. So she had a, uh, first three of us with donor parents. Uh, so I have a known donor. And then the next two with it by adoption. So there's a way that I've been visible um, my whole life mm. and was this like very intentionally created person. <laughs> uh, wow. That was kind oh, of proof God. of concept for this family. Mm. structure in the late 80s and so this like sense of like I have to shine mm. I have to be seen I have to be um mm. like I, I felt visible but not for the things not for me mm. Mm. and so there was there's always been that sense of like wanting to be seen for me and for mm. the things that I bring and not just the place that I hold uh, or the things that I can do. And, and I think that was kind of a source of some of the depression and like really going into it and being like, Oh, this has hurt my whole life. Um, mm. this sense of not being seen and wanting to be seen and like really wanting to connect in deep ways. Um, and so I think there's something that has shifted over the past couple of years of like seeing that longing in myself and owning it and being okay with it. Uh, Cause how embarrassing to want to be seen. Like you can't totally. want to be seen. Totally. Um, yeah. It has to be yeah. just, you can't like, just wait for the moment when you get to see, ah, there it is. I got right. It. <laughs> right. Got it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or like, then you do all sorts of things to manipulate the situation. So you, right. so you let me seen. use eye language. I would do all the sorts of things <laughs> to manipulate the situation so that I get seen. And then there's this way of the, like, saying, hey, I'm seeing myself and I'm going to share pieces of myself is also then saying, yeah, I, I want to be seen. Mm -hmm. And like really, whoo, as I say that, there's something so vulnerable about saying that of just like, I, I want to share who I am with the world and I want to share my art and uh, my ideas and all of that. And in some ways, <laughs> maybe to come back to where we started, like in some ways, it's not the scary thing of putting my footprint in the sand for myself it's the scary thing of wanting others to see it and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to say hey i think this is valuable um mm -hmm. 
And like, I want the connection and attention and care that comes with that. And I think we all, it's see right now, I'm like going to say, I think we all do because it takes it away from me. And it's like, then I'm, then it's valid if I want it because everybody wants it. But no, like I, (laughs) there's something about sharing those Sam books that is like, I want to be seen and standing in front of a room and leading a group of people. That's like, this is something that I really care about and need in my life. And in like, longing to create and luckily i think the things that we most long for are things that we then create for mm. others and mm. so mm-hmm. I love creating spaces where it feels like people can be seen in all of all of who they are and in all of the like mess of that so and i'm not a parent yet but i hope someday to do it for my kids and i know i will fuck that up royally <laughs> and see myself in that <laughs> and uh all of that but anyways I don't know where. I, I thank you for that. That really, I don't think I need a follow-up question anymore. You've kind of answered what I was touching into, which is sort of this this beautiful truth that it doesn't have to be either or. That you don't somehow have to like part of the Batman Robin story for me is that somehow Batman has arrived. Mm-hmm. Somehow, somehow the the you know or you know pick your superhero, pick your idol, pick your hero. You mentioned Parker Palmer, who who I've had a chance to talk to a couple of times. He's beautiful, lovely, but like a person, you know, yeah. so lovely. Right. And and but there's some way in which there's a story about like, he's got it figured out. And once I've got it figured out, once I've arrived, then I can stand in front of that room and say, here it is. Here's what you need to know, because I know it. And that it's like this either or. And what I what I hear you really just beautifully saying is like part of my longing to be seen brings me into spaces where people, some people will see me. And while I'm in those spaces, I do things, make art, share stories, lead exercises that also help other people feel seen. And that feels good. <laughs> and I kind of maybe even to go a step further, maybe even when other people feel seen, I that helps me feel seen, maybe. But yeah. like to just say like, that's reality. That I feel like that could, like doesn't have to be either or. There's not. It's just here. I am now. Here's what I'm longing for. Here's how I'm expressing that longing in the world, and that's enough. Yeah, I think another important piece of it is the social context that plenty of people who have wanted to be seen have asked for that in really not okay ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like, mm-hmm. you know gurus finding cult followings or um Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. wanting to be seen by running massive companies that destroy the earth and people's lives through the labor or wanting to be seen through um sexual inappropriate harassment and assault type of thing so like there is a real shadow side that is real (laughs) um to that desire to want to be seen and the stating of it in the world and going for it in the world. I think it's a shadow because we're not aware of it and because we're not saying, Hey, I just want to be seen and owning it. Um, But I I guess that is part of, there's a part of me that fears that saying like, I'm standing in front of this room because I want to be seen um, could fit into that uh, shadow reality Mm. that um, Mm -hmm. has harmed a lot of people. Yeah, And like I said, I think the being with that reality and being with the recognition of it and constantly wondering 
Um, and this is where like the self-doubt is actually really helpful of being like, wait, am I, what, you know, it's, or it can, let me, let me say, it's not really helpful because mostly it keeps me out of standing in front of rooms, but it can, it can be an ally in really questioning yeah. motives and, um, yeah. and inviting humility. Right. Are there, are there other longings to you to be of service, to make the, the world more whole, to, to just help people feel loved and feel good in their body, right? Like there are all of these ways, at least these are how I experience you, the generosity in you. And, and yeah, so to have a, 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 I don't know if it's a Sam or there's some other, someone in you, in you who's like, yeah, let's just check that out. Are you like, as you meet that need to be seen lovely that you're owning it, like go for it, but just, are you stepping on someone? Are you like taking, are you hurting someone to be seen? Cause that ain't cool. Yeah, I think where it does show up for me in like, it's easier to talk about other people for that one, but, but, but where it does show up for me is saying like, I'm going to step in front of a room and have the sense of like, I know, you know, I've come through this journey. You all haven't yet. And you all need to listen to me to figure out what you know, I've mm. come through this. Mm. I'm the expert here. And, and even in telling somebody, you know, where they need to go, there's this sense of like, you're not okay. Um, and so yeah, I can like look back at some workshops that I've done and, and the sense, the like very, very subtle sense of even during coaching someone's narrative, for example, just telling them subtly that like what they're bringing is not good enough or not okay. And like, oof, I hate even like recognizing that. And it's so obviously happens all the time uh, for me. So, so like, yeah, presencing with that and knowing that sometimes the part that wants me to be big and to be seen and all of that, like does do that, inflict that kind of, it's like a certain energy or essence that comes into the space. That's like, there's only room for one of us to be big, which um, I've been reading all these white men lately. Very real. <laughs> I don't want to quote only white men on here, but there we go. Um, he calls it like the great lie that like, only one of us can be big at a time that like anybody mm. is morally superior to anybody else. Mm. But I definitely carry that into rooms with me. Mm. Mm. Well, Rosie, I, uh, I'm feeling really humbled and grateful for how generous you are with your longings and your aspirations and sadness and the love that you're walking with and exploring and owning. And I hope that, you know, I, I hope my, like, I feel a sense of like the world could use big Rosie and also could use big Rosie who's humble and, and checks herself and who, who is sitting with the paradox of how do I take up all the space that I'm meant to take up in this world and also do so in a way that invites everyone into the space they're meant to take up in this world. I'm really grateful you're asking those questions and, and I've experienced you as a friend and as a colleague and as an inspiration doing that for me, including in this conversation. So yeah, I'm really glad we finally made this happen. It's been real sweet. Me too. Thanks, Andy. There's a quote that's been sitting with me that maybe will mean something to my future self. From a white guy? A, no, white one. <laughs> <laughs> From Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen. She says, uh, a gardener doesn't grow roses. When it has all it needs, a rose bush will grow roses. Oh. I just really like that. And a garden doesn't grow roses. A gardener doesn't. A gardener grow. doesn't grow roses, right. Okay. 
when it has all it needs, a rose bush grows roses. Yeah. Something mm. about giving people, ourselves and others, what we need. And then mm -hmm. we both. So. Mm. Mm. But not thinking yes. that we have control over the outcome. I'll ask my future self uh, <laughs> what this means. But um, yeah, no, I'm really grateful for this, Andy. And may may all the, may you have what you need. And may your roses bloom. Mm. To all of us out there. Mm. Received. I hope that whoever hears this, whether it's a month from now or 10 years from now, get some something of what they need from this time that you and I spent together. That would be pretty sweet. That's all. Mm. Mm. Thanks, Andy. Okay, this is the this is the this is the like the part of me, this is from a place of generosity, but like I really like if people want to find your work, this is a bit of the transactional question, but also like I'm asking it from a generous place. If people want to find your work because they have some sense that there might be something they need in there, where should they go to to find that? To lovethatmess.com. Yeah. <laughs> love that mess. Love that mess. Yeah, you can find my book, uh, some more art, those hoodies with fuck all over them, uh, and, <laughs> and me, workshops and other things. So yeah, come see me, y'all. I want to see you. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for tuning in to The Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua and audio editing and engineering services from Jim Serqua at Sump Pump Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find The Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.